Hola, soy Horacio Elizondo y estás escuchando Hand of Pod. Good evening. Who's got a wealth of footballing information to share with us this weekend. He's, he's been really in-depth. And for the first time, um, I welcome to Hand of Pod the third University of Manchester graduate to appear on this podcast after myself and Edward Mannion. Um, I've forgotten your name. Archie Whitworth. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. That happens all the time. Um, you possibly won't have heard of Archie if you're not uh, someone who lives in Buenos Aires and has mutual friends with him and reads the Herald. Uh, so Archie, I'm going to let you um, introduce yourself because up until about 10 minutes ago, neither myself nor Dan had met you before either. Yeah, that's fine. That, that again happens all the time. So um, <laughs> I've been here about five years and uh, probably follow Arsenal football quite closely. I used to be a River fan until I got relegated. I used to be a Boca <laughs> fan until I got mugged at the stadium. Um, so really, I just... Yeah, I just like football and I, and I love Argentina. Have you listened to Handle Pop before? You can give an honest answer. Yeah, definitely. I listened to you twice this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> and, it's a brave uh, man. Really brave man. And it was, which I, I really enjoyed. That was um, uh, the last two episodes. In fact, I, I actually met Henry May in, uh, when he was at the British Embassy in 2011 at an event. I covered it for the Herald. Excellent. Uh, well, that, that in fact covers the first quote. We've had Ed Mallion, the, the previous University of Manchester graduate who's appeared, um, asking whether we can interrogate you at the start of the pod because he feels uneasy having a pod member that we don't know. So, yeah, so there you I, go, Ed. <laughs> I, I studied Spanish and Portuguese and Latin American studies. I spent six months here at Manchester. I spent six months here in 2006, uh, which is when I got uh, mugged by the Boca fans and became a River fan. And, and I've been here since I graduated in 2008. Yeah, go for Boca. I think Boca just scored. They're playing already? Yeah. 7.45. Oh, this is a twist. Uh, Indeed. Podcast. So th- this is a... A zombie comes down to join us down the spiral staircase. So this is a, a big twist because I've completely forgotten that Bocca were playing despite the fact that their fans partially delayed my arrival tonight because it was the traffic was packed outside. Bocca juniors have, we what presume, taken the lead. We're not watching. They are. They're 1-0 up against Barcelona de Ecuador. Uh, Barcelona de Guayaquil in the Copa Libertadores in a really must-win game for them. We don't know who's scored. Actually, let's see whether we do know who's scored, shall we, before I say that. That's Archie, and we have to thank Archie for coming on a very short notice. We also have to thank Australian Dan uh, for helping us from beyond the grave for uh, hooking us up with the introduction to Archie because we were really struggling for a third voice on the podcast this week after our normal four... Uh, <laughs> 
fallbacks that we're planning on because, of course, Jill's on holiday. All couldn't make it. Um, so, actually, welcome to Under Pod. We hope you enjoy it. Um, Thanks very much. Enjoy the fernet. So we can say that that goal from Boca came from Nicolas Blandi. We can. We can't tell you anything about it because we don't have a television. In the it should come up on. So. You know, Leo usually pretty good at uh, throwing a, up the highlights. Yeah, so, yeah, we should have a YouTube link hopefully before long. Um, we're going to get started with a look back over the weekend on the pitch. English Dan's gagging to tell us about everything that he saw. So Dan, um, how was the weekend's football? Oh, for me it was absolutely fantastic. I saw nothing. I went, I went away on on Saturday evening, so I managed to miss pretty much the whole uh, the whole weekend's worth of football. Also, I didn't have you know it was absolutely beautiful. I didn't have any access to internet or TV or even newspapers. So, Estudiantes were playing Racing on Saturday night just as I was leaving. Uh, I didn't. I kind of entrusted a friend of mine to keep me informed. Uh, you know, sending messages on my mobile of how the game was going. He started, and he got on until about up to about half time. Got bored and stopped. My phone ran out of battery. And then on Sunday, uh, we were going to a beach in uh, in Concepcion. And happened to ask a, a remis driver, a taxi driver there. Do you know how Racing went out? And he told me they lost against Estudiantes. So, so you got a very pleasant surprise when you this got were, well. This was a very, very um, unpleasant surprise. So I thought, oh shit, well, what can you expect? It's Dudiantes, you know, always, always be racing more so in La Plata. Got back to a hotel and I'd actually bothered to charge my phone at that point. Turned it on and I had, um, had a message from this friend who'd untrusted to keep me up to the minute with the game. Two days late saying, ah, oh, by the way, uh, racing won. He'd also fallen asleep at half time because the first half was. Soccer-ish. It could be, it could be. And I saw that, but. I basically didn't see any of the any of the game, but I made a point of watching the highlights of the goal once I got back here t- well, today, actually. Uh, so I was looking at the table today, and I realised I hadn't realised how far down the Estudiantes were. They're really far down. Yeah, I think yeah, the last few years they've been awful. Really so awful. What, what's happened? I, I really don't understand what happened. Them. They were so good. I remember in 2006 was that final with Cholo Simeone and Estudiantes uh, you know, Boca, and then Sabella afterwards. And they, were, they were really, really good, and suddenly it's just... It's a good yeah, question. I, I would say more than anything, like uh, when Sabella left, and I think maybe even you could say the last kind of half year or you know Argentine season before he left, it was kind of a team that really did need uh, renovating, but no one really got around to it. And since then, you've had uh, Russo come in. You've had um, well, Kanya. I don't know. Is, did he resign or is he still? No, he's, he's not manager anymore. Um, he's not manager whether anymore. Whether he's resigned or been sacked is yeah, well, it's a moot. Clear no, it's some, isn't it? It's a moot point. Ways with the club. Basically, it's, it's a moot point. Yeah. So they've had Russo who came in and failed. Uh, Canyon now is coming, coming and failed. Who was the other one? They had another coach in that time. I saw well. Sabal, the guy before Canyon. Oh, Sabal, yeah, who kind of lifted him a little bit, but ultimately failed. I think and it's partly Sabella. It's also that they don't seem to have fully um, recovered from from Veron's retirement. It seems ridiculous. Still, great point. Yeah. There was kind of that axis. Have such yeah. a huge yeah. influence and on the club, and even to the degree yeah. where they just immediately become shit from actually having yeah. a rather good body to play. But well, I'd say it's between. Uh, yeah. But then, even when he was he was winding down, he wasn't. I mean, it took him about a year or so to wind yeah. down. You think that's a that's a good enough uh, notice in order to, to fix something up? But no, no. Ever much, since Sabella left, there's been no reno- yeah. There's just been um, no renovation. Like they just, you know. But do you think Boca without Rigoni wasn't there? They tried. They put something. They're trying to put something. It didn't work. Yeah. But they've tried really hard. They're trying to put Aviti into that, that sort of central yeah. role, making the. Mm. the, the they the tried Pochi Chavez. Like, 
Yeah, they tried something nice. Giuliantis just went backwards, basically. They didn't try and, re- you know, renew the squad. It's been kind of people coming in, but they're still playing, you know, these old, old-timers, uh, De Salvador, Rey, uh, Lagata Fernandez, who, you know, all these players who were Libertadores champions in 2009, they were Apertura champions in 2010, but since then, yeah, there's just been no no effort to, to move forward. Like, they've, they've kept stuck, they've stayed uh, stuck in history. Is Porcelli with them or is he back in uh, well Sally's there as well right is he not in Wigan I thought he was on loan I think he might be back in Wigan Uh, ah yes he's back in Wigan of course is he he is in Wigan I watched him well is he playing for Wigan he's playing yeah alongside uh, Franco De Santo Um, yeah so that was the game that was the main game that you didn't see Dan did you catch Colón Tigre on Friday night the first game of the weekend If you didn't, then you missed a cracker. I think, I, yes, fact, I, watched, uh, I watched a fair bit of that, yeah. In fact, in many ways, but the weekend was kind of bookended by these two yeah. partidazos. Uh, Colón uh, 3, Tigre 2, which was 2-0 to Colón and then 2-2 um, before Colón got a quite late equaliser from Emmanuel Gigliotti. Um, and then the other one, which we'll talk about a little later, is, is Lanús 2-2 draw against a very, very good Quilmes side. Um, but Colón Tigre was... Fantastic. Yeah, actually. it feels like a long time ago now. Mm. But it always does at the other end of the week, yeah. especially when we have to record on Wednesday. It's five days ago. Yeah. So, and to give you some idea of people outside, we've only just gone back to work today from Thursday, which has been fantastic. Well, some, some of us have only just gone back to work today. <laughs> some of us were working hard on, on Monday. Um, and the rest of the week's then? <laughs> the rest of the week's not, it's not so much been work, but it has been quite... Very long day today. I've, yeah. I've come almost directly from a wedding this afternoon. So, uh, a wedding? Yeah. How you didn't say for the party? That's, that's coming Well, on. from a wedding party, in fact, yeah. That was yeah. That's when I went to it. I was at half past twelve. Yeah. Party went on, yeah, I left the party about half five-ish, went home to change. Oh. Okay. Uh, last wedding I went to, I got home at eight in the morning. What was it? That's dedication. That is dedication. Yeah, it's anyway. different types of dedication. Uh, actually, did you catch Colón Tigre at all? Can you remember anything from I mean, Actually, um, similarly to Dan, I, uh, I left Buenos Aires on Thursday. Well, actually, you left on Saturday. I, mean, uh, I left on Thursday and came back yesterday. But, and, I, and I did watch, I just claimed to have watched all the goals from the weekend. I realised that there was one game I didn't realise they were playing on Friday and I missed those. Uh-huh. So say in relation to how the table's going to finish up with regards to champions and relegation it's, I wouldn't say it's a meaningless but it's not one that's going to no, gonna affect it in either, in either end it effectively leaves Colón 18th and Tigre 8th um, oh I just remembered another game I watched there we go go on oh, we, can, we can carry on talking like, no, well, no let's go with the next one watched, no, 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 sorry just say. a quick note I mean, about Tigre I'm you know, having been a nominal River fan for you know, let's call it a few years uh, I Dislike Gorosito, quite intensely, and I really like I really like Tigre when they under Canyon. Yeah, I really I thought they were a really exciting team, um, great to watch, really fun, uh, and I I dislike everything that Gorosito does. So, uh, would you like to go into a bit more depth? You not you don't like his style, you don't like his hair. I don't. I, I mean, I really don't like his hair for one thing. I, I, I'm I'm going slightly bored myself. I have a real. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a sort of Brian May. Um, for those who don't know what, what Nestor Gorosito looks like, he's very much kind of flying the flag for the basically the stereotypical awful it's like kind Manu- of style. It's a Manati yeah, school of the, that you think of. Okay, Imagine okay, a Panini it? sticker of a mid 1980s Argentine player at the World Cup. That's Gorosito. I saw a lady in Cordoba, I don't like him in Cordoba on Saturday, but it's exactly like him. Same haircut and everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was. 
is one Excellent. of those clubs. So, uh, I d- and I don't like his style either. I, and I think he's um, he's really uh, sort of flimsy, uh, insubstantial um, uh. in terms of managing. So I actually I, I, I like nothing he does, but I really like Tigre as a club. I, I really. Yeah, I think they're kind of a hand-a-pod favourite now. Yeah, and they unfortunately um, lost 2-0 away to Palmeiras last night as well in the Copa Libertadores. So, I mean, well beaten. It wasn't uh, particularly unlucky. This went a bit um, better than the last one. It did, yes, just a tiny bit. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it does leave them with a really uphill struggle now to qualify for the Copa Libertadores group stage. Uh, sorry, to qualify for the Copa Libertadores knockout stage from the group stage. Uh, they've got two matches left in the group and they've got to effectively to win them both against Sporting Cristal and Libertad um, do they take the Man City approach though so they just kind of stop do they need to win the Libertadores no and, and this is, I think that they're very much prioritising the league now mainly because not so much because they think they have a chance of winning the league or not winning the Libertadores or anything but more because of course they had the absolutely awful Torneo Inicial and they've got so far in 2012-13 23 points um which, which in the relegation zone, right? If, if we had a proper relegation system here in oh, Argentina, they'd be third bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. um, but as it is, of course, they're mid-table because they had a cracking season last season. But next season, um, it, unless they you know, get plenty of wins between now and the end of the Donnell final, they're going to potentially be in trouble again. You can easily see them getting sucked down. So they've really got to start putting some wins together now. And I think that's what they... They played a full-strength side last night because they don't have a very deep squad. Um but they very much seem to be kind of looking at it and thinking we're going to concentrate more on the league they didn't seem to to be too bothered yeah. you know I mean a lot of Tigres Libertadores games and continental matches particularly have got quite bad tempered when they've been losing late on last night in some ways was but it was nowhere near as just outright kind of violent and pissed off at the defeat as, <laughs> as say they were in Sao Paulo um, in many ways I was only surprised they even bother after that defeat in Sao Paulo the other one that was, that was horrific it was it was uh, quite something. We, we only commented on it about a month and a half afterwards because I was uh, in Europe. Oh, yeah, you, you and so, yeah, we had, to, uh, we had to discuss it in the first hand of pod of 2013, um, which, if you haven't heard it, is episode bloody hell 87 or something like that. Go and have a look for it. Um, <laughs> You'll see from the title, I think. Right? Yes, I'm pretty sure you will. Yeah. Anyway, so, that game, yeah. as I was saying, that game I watched was Argentinas getting their first victory in God knows how long uh, I yeah I think the first in 12 matches yeah. in the league at home to all boys in, in the Clásico mm-hmm. which shows that Caruso Lombardi is a god of football and can do absolutely no wrong against team with teams fighting against relegation in, discuss. in so many ways you're right even though I hate to admit yeah. it um, I was out the game very good atmosphere yeah I mean it seemed like it was for Argentinos yeah. it was, but the place was rocking um, That's what Caruso does for you, Sam. And indeed, a very good goal, actually, mm. from Jose, is it Jose or Juan? Uh, Jose or Juan Luis Anangono Leon, mm-hmm. who's one of our favourite named players, even if we can't actually remember his first name. I'm going to bring it up now. It is. I think it's Juan. Of course, the page takes ages to load now. I think it's Juan. Um, it is, it's Juan. Juan nice. Luis Anangono Leon, um, the Colombian striker, kind of little give and go with, I think it must have been uh, Caruso or. And then this one yeah. to, um, and then low finish into the bottom corner. Yeah. And I thought they played well; like they were holding on a little bit at the end. They did. Always went for it, but I have to say that having already seen Argentinos in the flesh twice earlier this year under Shura, and now seeing them under Carlos Lombardi in the flesh, 
the football, I mean, the style. Not invest. Yeah. It, it, it's ridiculous, but of course the results are going to, well, appear to be yeah. already going better under Caruso, which is a bit of a pity in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish they'd given Shura more of a chance. As I said when he was fired, they had a really difficult start to the year. Firing him after failing to beat Venice, Racing, and whoever it was they played in the third round. Um, let me just check. But Caruso, he's a real sort of marmite. Manager, yeah. I think everyone, yeah. almost everyone, hates him. But they respect what results he gets with um, with lower with lower those teams. And I think that's un- undisputable. So the first four rounds they played: Vélez, Racing, Arsenal, Godoy Cruz away, um, and then in the fifth round they were again. Where have they gone? Yeah, oh, yeah. Who, with three golazos. That precisely, and that was kind of the start of Kilmer's really good run of form. But none of those are particularly easy matches for oh. any club in the division, as Kilmer showed. Yeah. Uh, on Monday night against the leaders Lanús so letting Shura go after that was I mean okay you've got to to some extent when he's managed to lose seven matches in a row at and the I think more than anything it was um, it was the panic that was setting in because mm. they should have been absolutely fine but you know now every now and then they were down slipping down uh, the census they were they slipped behind uh, San Lorenzo and you know that was you know they were supposed to be one of the relegation candidates, but Absolutely. they're still they're still there. Like if uh, yeah, there's a few teams twelve ahead of Independiente now, so they, again twelve ahead of be all right, but it's still not impossible. So still, yeah, you got San Martín, Rafaela, Quilmes, Udana, like yeah. Unión, I guess. Precisely, well, yeah, a bunch of teams. So if they win a few, can yeah. can their points being divided by fewer yeah. matches, so they can they can leapfrog fairly right. easily. Caruso and, and Godosito could. Um, <coughs> I mean, Caruso must be one of the managers who pays least attention to his own personal appearance. Uh, and Gorosito, I mean, probably not. He probably pays more attention. But imagine Caruso, with, with great respect for Caruso and Gorosito and for taxi drivers. So you probably open a taxi company. And they have this, uh, this, this style of, of, of doing things. Uh, you can imagine that both of them are a little bit sort of sexist and a little bit racist. Uh, yeah, they'd be, with the, again, with the greatest possible respect for both of them. Of course. Dan, it's you who's got the fantastic anecdote about Caruso and his speedos, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> or one of your ex-girlfriends or something. In his, I mean, in his underwear, yeah, this this uh, girl I saw for a while was um, was friends with Caruso's daughter and he said that they'd be hanging out in the living room nice and nice and peaceful, like watching telly. And he'd come down, yeah, in his boxes, like unshaven, like complete mess, just say like, yeah, all right, how you doing? It's so, just, someone else I know is friends with Caruso's daughter. Caruso's yeah. daughter sounds prolific. Well, she has friends. Like, well, I wouldn't like to cast aspersions. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> prolific friend maker. Yeah, you know, a popular girl. Like, if your dad's Caruso, like, you're gonna make friends. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think? Sure. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, other matches on uh, on Saturday. There, there was a one-one draw on Friday night between Belgrano and Arsenal de Sarandi. Um, and then on Saturday we had two other games apart from the Argentinos All Boys game that we've mentioned. Uh, River Plate drew nil nil with Belo Sarsfield. Do we have any comments to make up? I didn't see it. You'll Did you watch it? Because I imagine that's a really good result for River. Um, I was happy with it in some ways and not in others. River now unbeaten at home in uh, Zombie. River are now unbeaten in, at home in something like nine games, I think. Um, and it was the first match in the Monumental this year that they hadn't won. Um, but obviously, Venice, whilst they're concentrating more on the Libertadores and were slightly distracted, it's still a good team. I wasn't so pleased with the lineup, and I, I saw a few people kind of criticising it and, and suggesting Ramon Diaz went for a 4 4 2. 
which placed a lot of emphasis on, on Leonardo Poncio's ability to kind of join attack and defence. And whilst Leonardo, whilst Leonardo Poncio is, is a very good midfielder, that's not really what he generally does. He's more adept at joining midfield and sorry, defence to midfield rather than defence to attack. And as a result, kind of resulted in a bit of a broken team. You had four men really, the, the wide midfielders and the two forwards up front and everybody Who? else sitting back. Who's up front? Uh, Tresigit and... Was it Mora? Oh, bloody hell. And Mora, you're right, yeah, they started. And I mean, it was not working to the point where at the same time as midway the second half. Yeah, I mean, well, as Joel said a lot of the time, Tresigit needs service. Yeah. He, he's, he's a, a penalty box player and he's very good as long as you give him the right balls yeah. and he wasn't getting any of those balls um, and so midway through the through the second half Ramon Diaz made a double substitution he sent uh, Juan Manuel Torbe off for Tresegate and Carlos Luna off for Mora which is just kind of admitting you know, this, this hasn't worked neither of them are getting the service so, and just replacing both of them I don't, I don't the think plan, it's a, the plan remained the same but it's, it's, surely it's harsh on, on both Mora and Tresegate and their partnership. I'd have preferred personally to see um, to see Torbe coming on for one of the midfielders. Right. To see whether that would have helped to link it up a little more. Mora, Mora had a stinker. Again, really? And Mora's been having stinkers quite a lot so far this season. Ever since he became uh, lauded, as if he has having a stinker. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit bizarre. People are now starting to say that the only stadium where he knows how to play is La Bombonera because he was superb in that Super Classico. I think that's very harsh on him. He, he was very good throughout the Doneo Inicial. Wasn't the um, Classico in Monumenta? It was, yes. yes. But uh, sorry, they're, they're, they're saying that he, he only plays well against Fokker. Ah, okay. Was, was what I meant by that. Um, and therefore, that he's going to have a good game on against the Monument. Ah, okay. because, there we go. He's know, saving it for the, the Bombonera. Yeah, precisely. And, and you know, the old kind of cliche that form goes out the window when he gets to the derby and stuff. So. Um, but but, but yeah, it, it was a really just an uninspired performance. Venice didn't look a hell of a lot better. Jonathan Copete was. I was going to ask about Venice actually, because I haven't really shown much this season. No, as I say, I think they've been distracted a bit by the Libertadores. Um, they got a good win last night against Iquique, which means they're through to the, the second round with the game still to go at the group stages. Um, 3-1 away from home. But they seem to... Distracted, I think, is the, is the only one I can really come up with. It's not like they've been putting out weak teams in the league. They just haven't seemed to give as much of a crap about it. It's, it's quite weird. It's as if they're trying to conserve energy. But I read an essay in, well, an essay, an article in, in Olé today, which read like an essay on the uh, the brilliance of, of, of Velez and why it's brilliant and how they, they they make the changes bit by bit mm. and they're introducing the building up the young players rather than rushing them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which all makes sense and all sounds good and it works away. It works in, in the Libertadores. Just the league's not great though. I mean, no, sure, but I think. It's not so much that they haven't become a bad team overnight. They can afford to just sit back in the league a little bit because in the Promedio standings, they're, they're top. In fact, yeah. they overtook Boca a few weeks ago um, in, in the three-year relegation standings. So it's not like they're in any danger whatsoever of being stuck down there. I think you often get this as well. Uh, so for jumping in, mm. but the team that wins the, the Apertura never seems to care too much about the Clausur. Like they don't no, see, you know, since they've already got Libertadores, like this think... Right, we got the we got the title in the bag for for this year. Like, why kill ourselves over 19 games to try and do it? Like, when we can focus on this. And well, I think that mentality comes in. It's like they've already, you know, there's two championships, but they're already champions. Wasn't the classic the R- River in 2008, which you know finished the uh, the Clausura top and the Apertura bottom? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's hard to think yeah. of teams that win two consecutive championships. Like, mm. I'm, I'm sure Sam. 
I think I can see him ca- furiously <laughs> calculating his fingers to to do this. Well, if you had the, the only one who's done, who's done it over the last decade, of Bocca. Right. Um, and and obviously the only uh, that was Bocca when they were Bocca. Yes, I mean, you know, we're talking yeah. almost a decade. Well, I think it was 2005, six or something. They yeah. won two in a row. Um, and of course, I mean, even Bocca, uh, as I've mentioned certainly before, and Pod have never won. Uh, back in the early days, of Pod, I probably mentioned it. Um, Bocca have never won three three championships in a row in any of the Argentine Primera's uh, various yeah. championship structures. Um, so you know, if you, if you want to go for consecutive championships, you're talking racing in the well, hundred years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you were just starting that amazing run of was it seven and eight seasons or seven yeah. in a row or something? Uh, River San Lorenzo have done it, but Boca never wanted more than two in a row. Um, then it's a, as capable of it as anyone else, but as I say, they're concentrating on the Libertadores. And another thing that we say around this time every year is that no one's ever won the Libertadores and the championship held during this half of the year be it Metropolitano Nacional Clausura Torneo Final if that's any different from any the Clausura any of its various guises yeah but the thing that I was counting up on my fingers was just to pick up on Archie's point from a couple of minutes ago about how about let's bring the young players through um, apart from the goalkeeper all well so six of their seven substitutes on Saturday uh, youth team players and I count five of the starting eleven so that's 11 of the 18 Romero, players in the squad. Bella, Papa. I've got Peruzzi, yeah. Papa, Bella, Cerro. Cerro. No, Romero. Cerro was in Kilmes. Okay, so four. Four yeah. of the starting 11 plus six of the subs. Um, and then the sub who wasn't is Hiram Montosho, is the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so again, River aren't too bad for that either. No, no, precisely. River is certainly getting, and that's one of the things that became apparent whilst River were in the second division. There were a couple of things sort of towards the start of that season about. As long as they come back up, they'll be a racing as well. Are the ones to watch for that as well? Yeah, yeah, racing. Um, but River just starts to get back that kind of legendary. There's a there's a seedy side to that though, mm. or so I've heard. Yeah. Which is that I had rumours, uh, you know, close sources, i.e., taxi drivers, uh, told me that um, the reason why Almeida didn't leave River when they went down mm. um, and stayed on to be their coach was that part of his, his contract, his payment compensation package, involved percentages of younger players. So, or their, or their sell-on value. Yeah. It's quite normal here, actually, I think. But that's, that's I mean, that's, that's horrific. Surely that, that's, their, their future is already tied up yeah. to, uh, it, so, saying they have a future, yeah. it's already tied up to yeah. making someone else wealthy down the line. Well, it doesn't think, help yeah. the club or the player. I do think yeah. it's, yeah, I've got the feeling that's quite a standard clause. I've heard it mentioned with, um, with Leah as well in, uh, in Racing. So if he kind of gives a young player his debut, and further down the line they they take a they take a big move to Europe, say as Centurion was mooted to do, or, yeah. or well, these kind of players, he, I don't think it's a massive percentage, but it would be you know say one percent or a, a fixed fee. Yeah. So I don't think it's as sinister as. Yeah, but, as we might think. it's certainly not as sinister as say Caruso Lombardi, who I remember what a year and a half ago when he left Tigre. Oh yeah, those rumours about. And I I said on hand of thought I've I've heard. My friend, and I can now say it because she she has quit her job. Um, that she she worked for the agency of the player in question, and she was the one who took the complaints from the guy's agent directly. I mean that that's that's how we knew that it was happening. Basically, the the agent had directly gone into her and said, "This manager's asking asking me." Go, so, so the team's incentive is to is to bring in the young players. Sorry, say that again. Sorry, the the, the team. Uh, has the incentive of bringing in the younger players in order to, to make everyone else money. Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, not, not, not exactly. That's not, in, in the case of Carlos Lombardi at Tigre, it was a case of him asking the player's manager for a bribe in order to put the player in the starting yeah. eleven, which is slightly um, worse. But yeah. Which is yes, considerably worse. Uh, I think we'd all agree. Uh, we've just seen Nicolas Blandi's uh, goal for Boca on a Very nice you know. little screen from Ole. I think you can put it full screen. Can you? Let's, let's have a look. No, no, apparently you can't. Uh, Bundled. We can see it looks good. Decent quality, actually. It's just bundled in. Tiny. But, very, yeah. Hmm. Blandy's impressive, though, isn't he? He's really. Yeah, uh, we were talking about Blandy a few weeks ago saying like, he's really got to be considered yeah. as an alternative to Silva. It seems like Precisely that's what that. he's yeah, been done. Yeah, I think it was Joel was saying that, that he deserved more playing yeah. time. Um, but Silva's gone on the weekends, right? Yeah. yeah, it was actually it was really good. I mean, I thought that they got in the right place. But he's uh, played a lot of games. Fantastic cross from one of our favourite left backs, Juan Sanchez Mino, who was playing on the left of Boca's midfield, and that's a very nice segue, by the way, Archie. Well done into Independiente's one-one draw uh, with Boca Juniors. Um, this was a match, the first match Boca have played this year in any competition where they've had less than fifty percent of the possession. Mm. I mean, Independiente, who as we all know, are crap. Um, Killed him with long balls, right? Dominated. From what I saw with the highlights, like pumped and pumped and yeah. pumped and pumped. Yeah. But, but I mean, also, even then, Independiente, when the game finished, it was still something like 58% possession for yeah. Independiente. Boca were absolutely woeful by far, the worst they've played this season. Um, and I got told off for slacking them off a bit too much and then backtracked a little a couple of weeks ago and, and pointed out they've not played badly so much as finished awfully and defended set pieces badly yeah. so far this year really are they saying the same about Independiente though is Independiente saying coming up with exactly the same uh, sure, lines they, they've played a lot but the difference players. is that Independiente just don't even seem to have the players they're just, they're cr- and, and uh, one of the things that really stood out from this one-all draw uh, is Juan Caicedo the Colombian um, signing who was going to be the the man who would lead Independiente's lead line tail, would, right? yeah. would help them up exactly yeah Independiente's Teo Gutierrez and uh, he's turned into if not quite as much of a nut job as Teo Gutierrez over at Racing was um, certainly worse Ole gave him 2 out of 10 wow. for his performance on, did you watch um, your game Sam? I did he did he deserve that? did he, he score goals? no he didn't score any who was uh, the, who the, goal, the goal was Claudio Moreno Rodriguez who's the left back oh yeah with a um, scuff shot Caicedo I think missed more shots on Sunday than Lionel Messi has missed in his career uh, I don't think that's an exaggeration in any way to say that was a brilliant it, one the other week as well when he was clean free one on one and kicked the ground instead of finishing mm. and yeah I think on Sunday it got to the point where clearly Moreno Rodriguez just got completely fed up with seeing this inept Tosser throwing up so many chances and decided to just I mean he was miles out of he, he really the fullback shouldn't have been that far forward yeah. it, it was open play it wasn't like a set piece or something um, and he just sort of appeared in the box got the deflection and absolutely smashed it into the roof of the net almost took Ernesto Farias head off in the process as well we tell about that finish though he looked, it looked like he was sort of completely um, that was by accident it did exactly. it wasn't, he was on the wrong foot it and he yeah. uh, a lot of power but he should have been falling over I mean, I mean, no precisely yeah well, um, I think looking at this, like we've got the kind of the feature, the the details of the game up, and I think I didn't see the game. I was I was in a, I was on holiday, but I think it says a lot for Boca that I think out of the four defenders, they have ratings of two, 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 and five out of ten. Yes, and the keeper had ten out of ten. Precisely. What yeah. can you say about? I mean, you, you can't always trust Ole's um, ratings out of ten, but in this case, I think giving giving Caicedo yeah. two and all of the defenders two and five is more than fair it um, seems like between Caicedo and the defence they were just all trying to lose the game mm. from the <laughs> it was it was remarkable and as I say 
prior to this, they've always, this year, had the majority in possession. Yeah. Um, so they're clearly not a bad passing side, and the passing just went completely yeah. to shit as well on Sunday. It was, it was something else. And also, um, Sanchez Mino was on the left of midfield. They still weren't playing at left back, as we've asked so many No, times. precisely. Alvin was at left back, uh, Sanchez Mino on le- left midfield. Come on. Again, whether this is something that Sanchez. Come on, Bianchi. We need a left back for Argentina. Come on. Start mm. moulding this man. Indeed. Um, I, I went to uh, uh, Bombonera say, uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I saw the Argentina Juniors game. Um, which was really, really boring. Yes. And Bianchi versus Carlos Lombardi. But I, I, mean, I, I love Bianchi. I mean, even though he told me to go um, do something to myself uh, a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> word. I think that's the story you want to hear. Does he not like being compared with Larry David in the flesh? Though I was, I was leaving uh, football. We played football Saturday morning, standing in Barrio Parque, and, and I was leaving the 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 game wearing a river shirt. Uh, and he was topless, washing his car on an early Saturday afternoon, just before he lost his job yeah. in 2010, early 2010. Oh, yeah. And he saw me wearing river shirts, so he swore at me in French. That's interesting. Because he goes to France. He's a river place. Did you not say, yeah. Uh, well, he, he swore, he did the, 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 yeah. the, the mer and, and, yeah. And I said, why don't you speak French? In Spanish, and he said, "Oh, okay." And he started going on Spanish. Yeah. Of course, these days he can't be seen to be a River Plate fan, and I've seen him. It's an act, it's isn't it? It's all part of it's, it's the, uh, the the cult of personality that he's cultivating. So he's. I, I mean, I, I I know that because uh, the, the very first time I came to Argentina was uh, to to see an ex-girlfriend and her mum, big Boca fan, and it was her mum who told me that Bianchi was a River fan uh, because she'd lived next door but one to him in the seventies or something when he was playing for Vélez. Um so yeah, he's sort of but I, I really like him, but I've got to say that that team is um, is just. I, I have a feeling that Falcioni was going somewhere with that team mm. and was not allowed to finish, mm. and therefore it's a, it's a work in progress. And that defence is just clueless. But more than anything, it's a team in transition. Yeah, it's they've got a whole load of, of players who were decent and are now just old and slow. Um, all ageing at the same time and as this is something that Joel keeps saying week after week and isn't here to say this week so I'll say it instead um, uh, Bianchi came in at the beginning of a transfer window where he was only allowed to sign three players because that's the upper regulation Sure. so he's not had a chance to ship everybody out who needs shipping out yet and get a team going in his own image um, he's just having to sort of try and make this team play in his own image what, what, what I felt was, was really unfortunate about Bianchi when he came in was that I mean, like uh, like Ramon at River, the you know this kind of it's almost a fresh start. You get a, you know, six months of, of a season. You basically write that season off and you spend it teething, uh, working out where your where your, um, um, your 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 areas of strength and weakness are. Yeah. Bianchi's problem isn't that. The problem is that he his arrival is um, inexorably tied to uh, Raquel mm. Everything that that Bianchi's you know lives or dies by Raquel success. And if it's an aging superstar with an ego the size of um, Creative Buenos Aires. That's a, that's a real issue. Yeah. Uh, also, because Ramon, can't, um, sorry, no man can't finish ninety minutes. Now, how can you? How can your future be uh, tied to uh, a player who just doesn't have the legs anymore and doesn't have the team? Right? No, I think that's a fair point. I mean, Precisely, yeah. and, and particularly when you have a lot of people now saying Palacios, let's say, had the number ten shirt during the summer, was going to be given the number ten shirt for the class uh, for the final. Until 
Frank Elmer made the phone call right after that Super Classico defeat in, in the summer friendlies um, and told me actually that he wanted to come back and then suddenly Palacio gets demoted to whatever number 30 or something yeah, is now Riquelme's lost Palacio in his job he's got Bianchi his mm. but it's, it's all like this guy is you know he, he, can't, he, he can't last I mean he's all about sort of pulling the strings off the pitch but on the pitch that's it he's just spent four surely I mean it's looking that illustrated way. by the fact he's barely played this year since yeah. coming back and when he has he's We've got, a, we've got an interesting comment from Rupert Fry who is, I'm guessing, watching the Boca Barcelona game tonight. I think yeah, talking exactly about yeah, Romain and unsurprisingly, you know, always being his biggest cheerleader. Yes, and Rupert <laughs> says that he's been felt at least 65% of the times he's touched the ball and he might be the best I've seen it, uh, Rupert's seen it using his body to protect the ball, which, uh, <laughs> which is something I've heard Rupert say a few times. One thing Raquel May does have is an enormous arse and he's very good at it. That's very true. Getting it in between. I've uh, honestly never looked at Ricardo's ass. I've never like, sort of, uh, appreciated his ass. I, I haven't done until Rupert pointed it out to me. So uh, Mr. Fryer is, is the man to go to for that one. Um, but yeah, kind of shielding the ball. He is certainly very good at that. And from the sounds of it, at least he's he's having a better game than usual. So, so far, well, he's on the pitch. That's probably yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a start. Yeah. Nothing else. Um, there was another five goal threader we talked about Colón Tigre a minute ago uh, or a few minutes ago um, there was another there was a derby in fact the, the wine region derby the Clásico Cusano uh, between Sierra producing province of San Juan who were represented by San Martín and the Malbec producing province of Mendoza represented by Godoy Cruz if you ever come to Argentina and want to do a wine tour Easy way to remember which province does which. That's impressive which one, wine actually, is nice. Mendoza, Malbec, Sierra, San Juan. Maybe. And it's interesting as well because there are a lot of headers, so I imagine there are a lot of headaches after that game. Mm. As, as if there have been a lot of mixed uh, wine drinking. That's very good, actually. Yeah. Or, or rather, it's, it's really quite bad, but that's what we like on Hand of Pots. Yeah, nice. um, and it, it was another thriller, as the scoreline suggests. Uh, we had a goal from Maro Obolo, an own goal from Nicolas Sanchez. Um, one from Damian Ledesma, which made it uh, at that point 2-1 at halftime to San Martin. Uh, Orbelo and Sanchez both played for Godoy Cruz. And then Godoy Cruz came back at, in the second half and to win it 3-2 with another from Mauro Orbelo and an equalizer from David Ramirez. Um, very impressive. Martin Palermo's impressive start as, uh, I'm using the word impressive a bit too often here, but his his good start as Godoy Cruz manager continues apace. Well, more, than surpri- more than impressive as well, surprising. Surprisingly impressive. Yeah. Um, shockingly uh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's great. Yeah, he I'm, seems I'm really to And he's got the team playing nice, you know, good stuff. And uh, I remember mocking him slightly when, when he first went into management and saying, you know, perhaps we, we're kind of expecting him to play the kind of, his team to play the sort of agricultural, let's say, Sometimes exciting, but not always very finesse-filled style. That <laughs> he himself attacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think it's just coincidence? The opposite, of course, because he was a very intelligent player and knew how to get into those spaces. Uh, but also, do you think it's just coincidence that these players? I mean, we've talked about Palermo, and we've talked about him on another podcast. We've talked about um, Barrachiloto, and also in in previous years we talked about um, Arrua Buena. Hmm. Do you think it's coincidence that these players who were uh, who were like, active and training under Bianchi have all taken to management so well. When you say that, the, the thought that immediately occurs to me, uh, maybe as a Manchester United fan, I don't know, but it's the, the number of players who played under Sir Alex Ferguson and have now gone on to be actually normally fairly ordinary yeah. managers. Roy Keane, uh, yeah. Yeah, Paul Ince, various others, Brian McClare, Brian Robson. 
Same Baron as Ferguson. Great names in, in football yeah. management that we're talking about here, of course. And um, of course, Bilal but, on the you know, so then, six. But then you think, Palermo, uh, forward who scored plenty of, plenty of goals, uh, perhaps didn't get as many starts as, as Martin Palermo, but Oloy, Oleg Gunasovskia, who's just won his second Norwegian League title, Zombie is now licking uh, uh, yes. Yes. Um, This is the welcome you get um, in uh, Makabashita Mansion. It's, it's a warm one. At the end of last year, won his, his second Norwegian League title. He's, he's doing fantastically uh, with a very small, albeit very well-financed uh, club at the moment, from what I hear about Molde. I know very little about the Norwegian League, but I do know that Solskjaer's mm-hmm. doing well. That kind of there's a tie in I think now. Yeah, I think you just about right around. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, Bianchi clearly is, is a decent coach, but the other thing is the Barros de Quilotto, Palermo. Who else did you mention? Arrobarena. None of them play football that's vaguely comparable to the style of football that Palermo's Boca played. Let's say Palermo's Boca Mark Mark One. Obviously yeah. not. Well, certainly not the one now because they're they're playing good football. Um, Bianchi's Palermo, Bocchi, right? uh, sorry, not Palermo, Bianchi's Bocchi, yeah. right, the, the yeah. Bianchi boys as well as job as a, um, the Bianchi's first version had this reputation for always going through the knockout competitions just by drawing matches and then winning on penalties for winning the league games 1-0, 0-0, 2-1 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 0-1 and so on um, not exactly the most thrilling tide, whereas Lanus and Godoy Cruz at the moment, very much yeah. scoring, playing really nice football um, on which note, as well, we should mention the, the. Well, I was going to mention the Pope's team first on Sunday. Oh, okay. The other, one of the other Sunday games, uh, Newell's Old Boys uh, beat uh, Bergoglio slash Francisco Wands uh, San Lorenzo side one 0 with a finely taken goal from Maxi Rodriguez. Fantastic yeah. pass from Ignacio Coco, who I think has now scored five and set five up, or, or scored five and set two up, or something. Um, oh, he's going to leave a gap when he leaves. And, uh, he, he really is, isn't he? Uh, he was superb again, as was Maxi, uh, if you're listening and, and you're a Liverpool fan. Um, he did a very, very good job. And deserved victory for Newell's, really, but the reason that we have to mention this game... Got a bit overshadowed, yeah. Uh, just a tiny little bit, yes. After the game, uh, various members of the press were tweeting that they'd left the, um, the, the stand where the press box was and that they were standing around in the car park. The, the press and... Uh, San Lorenzo's kind of directors and players and staff and visiting team staff all have the, a, a car park which is set aside for them inside San Lorenzo's um, grounds, let's say, because of course the San Lorenzo Stadium is right next to an, an enormous um, slum. So there's a, it's kind of very well, well protected. It was filled, filled with police. Um, and what happened afterwards, what, what the journalists at least were tweeting, were these police had been told to come and look for a car with this number plate, which they didn't know which one it was, they're looking for somebody's car in connection with something unknown. And it very swiftly materialised that it was Pablo Migliore's car, uh, the San Lorenzo goalkeeper, and the, we should also say, lifelong fan of Boca Juniors, who even when he first moved to San Lorenzo still remained very, very closely tied with Boca's Barra. Um, I think his brother's in the Valley. It's fairly well known yeah. that his brother's active in the Valley. Yeah, the, the way that the journalists here put it. Oh, yeah, his brother. Yeah, his brother took a bullet at some point. Precisely. Yeah, the, the journalists here always put it kind of slightly euphemistically, saying his brother's good friends with the guys who are in the Barra. Nice. So there's a famous picture that um, La Nación's website published a couple of years ago of Migliore watching Boca away at Argentinos with the Boca Barra, yeah. um, and. 
essentially Migliore is now and Archie's told me that he's able to go in, in go in deep on this one so I'll hand over to him in a second uh, basically Migliore is in jail at the moment for aiding and abetting a murder so Archie as our um, serious well, he's, he's actually, news correspondent <laughs> <laughs> Cumbrimiento right like so covering it, it up covering yes, up Cumbrimiento yes, exactly and they've not been very clear about exactly what that entails no, he, he, he provided um, so he's, he's connected with Abadas. He's very well. He's, he's, he's probably connected with uh, with Abadas, who were involved in 2011. As they, I mean, they're always involved in these sort of things, in in, in a fight, hmm. um, and in, in a fight in which um, one individual from the opposing team, no, one individual in, in the opposing Abada was was beaten within an inch of his life and then died. So uh, this has been presented on some news channels as a dispute between neighbours. Um, they're definitely it's, they're in the same battle together. It's it's a it's yeah, a team it, uh, conflict. And it's a battle thing. And and they're all connected to this guy Mauro Martin, uh, who is the head of that section of the or that faction of the battle, which is the, the one that's currently the, the dominant the officiale, battle, let's say, yeah, the, well, he's, he's currently he's currently in head because he he was he was head of the, of the battle because his rival this guy Rafael de Seo ended up in prison. But now these sales out, and now Martin's in prison. The, the power is less, less clear. So this is happened in August 2011. This guy was killed in a fight. He was beaten to death. Um, shortly afterwards, the person who the perpetrator of this act is Mauro is, has, not, has been identified as Martin's right hand man. Yeah, this I was Maximilian Maxi That's the one. Well, uh, you've been researching. I've been researching this. Well, great memory. Uh, and Mazzaro um, was on the run, needed help. And lots of people provided homes and cars for him to escape with. It was a, it was speculated or alleged that Migliori personally helped uh, Matsado get a car. And in fact, on Sunday he was when he was arrested and, and, and taken to, to to for a hearing for an indictment. Mm. Um, and he was and the charges and he said, no, no, this can't be me. It's nothing to do with me. It's actually not my problem. This is. They read out word for word the phone conversation he'd had yeah. in which he organised the car. Uh, in, to which transport this fugitive and which, hide him. Which has since been leaked to the press. Which has since been leaked to the press. So Migliore is saying, I didn't know that he was on the run, and that was Migliore's statement to the police, and it turns out that this phone conversation says... I, I, I mean, it says that you know, I need this car for this guy, and it's and it's for this person. He names the guy, he says, yeah. I need I need this help for this guy. And then at and one then point... He says, he's here with me, I'll hand him over to you. Yeah, exactly, he hands him over. So this guy's a fugitive, and he, hands, and he says, well, I, didn't, I don't read the papers... Another defense is I read the papers. I didn't know he was on the run. Uh, but another text that they found from him said that uh, my phone's been tapped. Please don't contact me. Um, and then he said that on the tap phone. I mean, it was, and he said that to, to one of the guys in the bar. So this is someone who's yeah, he's he, clearly not very intelligent. He sends that text on a phone that he already. Well, knows. What, that's what I don't. That's what I don't understand about this. Why is it that we're, we're are we supposed to be outraged by this case? Like, are we? Is it? If he's a known associate of the Badas, not only in Boca, but also in, in um, San Lorenzo, when he arrived in San Lorenzo, as you said, he became friends with the, with the Badas, to the point where, when Bottinelli was in trouble, when the river defender Bottinelli was at San Lorenzo, um, he was in trouble with, with, with Migliori, he was in trouble with the Badas. Migliori got him into trouble and, and started the fight with him. So, this is obviously is known that Migliori is connected with, with, the, with, with the Badas. Yeah. Why is this a... And I've and I sort of been thinking about this today, and I realised that in, I think in, in Argentine football there are two strands, aren't there? They're the guys who are really good and leave early and go to Europe and make money. Hmm. And then the guys who stay. And the guys who stay, if you want to succeed, you have to be friends with people. I'm not sure it's quite that... I was asked about this a, couple, a day or two ago on Twitter, and I don't know that it is to do with the fact that he's stayed in Argentina. I think it's more 
Migliore had a, a very difficult upbringing. I mean, a lot of, of, of people in Argentine football have done, obviously. Carlos Tevez uh, is an example of someone who, who's left Argentina, but who clearly um, had an enormously difficult upbringing. Well, I mean, before we start recording as well, uh, Archie mentioned uh, Viadri, who's been the butter judge yeah, for so many times. Because, yeah. Well, because he did something yeah. phenomenally stupid and... Well, that's ruined his career. Yeah. They, uh, came, he was saying he came from a very poor upbringing where yeah. he was. Exactly, yeah. And, and but I think but, but Migliore has, has really struggled to get out of that um, that kind of situation that he started off in, in my opinion. But he's, he's clearly, you know, he's not somebody I'd like to go for a drink with, even if he. Is he, like but that, is he still but in that situation? Do you think he's still. Is he now in a position of dependency with a partner? It's, it's part of his own stupidity, yeah. but at the same time, he's. You know, you could His say stupidity. You could say the lack of, of, of chances to get a uh, to get a few more breaks than he had. To yeah. Better education, maybe. Maybe guy's captain San Lorenzo. He's the goalkeeper. I mean, if he was a little bit better, and he is a really good goalkeeper as well. If he was um, uh, a little bit better, he could be talking about national side. He also could be talking about Europe. The guy isn't um, the worst. Uh, football player around. In fact, he's a, I think he's a better football player than Biatri. No, absolutely. He's just a massive and bigger. a smarter football player than Biatri is. The thing is. Obviously, he didn't. I don't think that he cared, and I also don't think that they're after him. They're not after him. They're after the fugitive. Yeah. And I think the only way of getting this fugitive is by getting by getting him. So, Argentine society, do we are we supposed to care that he's? There? I mean, are we supposed to either care and, 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 and be upset by the fact that he, he's a known associate of, of, of criminals uh, and actually goes to football games with them and jumps over turnstiles with them in order to avoid paying? Um, or are we supposed to accept it and say, well, that's part of life, and, and he should go on as, as far as he can? I, mean, well, I, I don't understand what we're expecting from this. I no, I'm not this, saying we should accept it, but I'm, I'm saying I don't think it's necessarily um, as simple as dividing it between people who've left Argentina. No, there was definitely some implications, but his, his dad described him today as, and it's kind of weird to say this, but he said, he's trying to say he's as good as gold, mm. and instead he said, es mejor que Lassie. So, mejor que Lassi is like... This it, translates it, word for word into English as... Well, actually translate word for word as he's better than Lassi. Which, I think he was trying to mean he's as good as Lassi, or in the kind of goody-two-shoes way. Well behaved, but actually, yeah. he's really obedient, and he comes when you call him. And in case... Yeah, <laughs> just, that's a very good I analogy. Love the just in case anybody's doubting about whether we're talking... Whether Lassi is some... Argentine person you've never heard of. No, no we're talking, talking about, about the, the golden retriever. Golden retriever? No, it's a collie. Oh, oh well, she sorry, was a collie. Of course, silly me. Um, yes, we're talking about that, lastly. So sorry, carry on. <laughs> so that's uh, so his his dad put him in that spot by saying, no, he's, he's you know, good as gold, but actually he's as obedient as Lassie. Uh, which means that no, of course, if you if you give him a call and ask him, I need I need a. Uh, a fake car? Could you? Could you have it? Or I need a you know, illegal. You know, I need a cover up for a fugitive. Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Uh, is his so essentially, he's very. He's, he's too obedient for his own good. Except that he's not. Surely he's not you, obedient. You, you, give, you give Pablo Pablo Mignone any kind of order at all, and he'll pound up to you with a. I mean, that, that's definitely the impression that his dad's giving him. Yeah. much like Zombie does. Yeah. Whatever. You know. But then, if if, if Migliore is the guy who's organising the, the fights with Bottinelli, if he's the guy organising mean, with connections with, but I don't think. That can be. I don't think it can be like that. As been his last, I think he's got yeah, a brain of his own. No, I think we all know about Migliori. Like, aside from the fact you know he's got family involved in the Barra, that he's grown up in this um, environment. Like, he does love being the man of the people, the man who everyone chants at. You know, yeah. He goes to Boca and everyone claps for him. He goes to Racing, everyone in the Racing Stam claps for him. 
in San Lorenzo is a hero. Yeah. He loves that. He loves being the man of the people. And, and that's he, because and he, so he stays I mean, well with the, with the bad. I, I saw uh, last month when I went to San Lorenzo versus River with, with Mariano, uh, Migliore made a big thing about he, he was um, uh, keeping goal in, during the first half at the end that River's fans were, were behind his goal yeah. and so when he when he went over there he made kind of a big thing about shivering you know like pretending as if, as if the, the away end was really cold because there was nobody there and there was a wind blowing or something that's um, where it's, it's Canchero in precisely like, it's yeah Canchero. Ramon Diaz afterwards made, made fun of him and said you know it wasn't really that good kind of thing but he was clearly hamming it up for the crowd and, and this but, is what he does before but, he was arrested and he almost thought before he was arrested on Sunday, he also almost started a fight with the reserve New Orleans reserve keeper. Did he? Um, because they have that uh, the the ginger mascot. Oh yeah, of course. Caruso's ginger mascot. The, right, we've, the I, I, I'm going to butt in here for a second because I've read about the fight. Actually, I didn't realise that Miliore had. Um, but Newell's um, the, the goalkeeper in question is called. As I wait for the page to load because it's not doing again. Uh, Sebastian Perata um, and yeah he he apparently this is what the the ball boy in question claimed you may remember if you're a long term listener of Handapod that San Lorenzo towards the end of last season when they were struggling against relegation um, we talked I remember Australian Dan giving really quite a graphic description of what happens um, when Argentines walk past a red headed person in the street uh, they have to touch if they're female is it the right or left breast I think it's the left um, breast, it? the left breast or your right testicle if you're a man is it right left, breast? left yeah. it's all left, left. left it's always left. left okay so left breast or left testicle depending on whether you're male or female or presumably if you're male and rather overweight who knows uh, both perhaps but anyway ginger people are considered unlucky as, as in fact they are in several cultures but it's rather more visible in Argentina than, than elsewhere well, and so um Caruso Lombardi would tell this red-haired ball boy to go and stand behind whichever goal the away goalkeeper was was keeping goal in um, when San Lorenzo played at home. And this was various reactions during the last kind of third of last season from various goalkeepers. Some were friendly, some told him to fuck off, but didn't really do anything very much. Some took offence, some took it as a big joke. And what the ball boy said was, he went over to sort of give a saludo to Perata because for whatever reason when Newell's played San Lorenzo... I think that's when the miss started. That was the game when the uh, miss started. Okay, right. Yeah. So for whatever reason, when, um, when Newell's played San Lorenzo last season, Perata was playing in goal rather than, than Guzman, the first choice goalkeeper. I can't remember why. But apparently Perata was completely friendly with him and just kind of treated all as a joke, gave him a big bear hug and rubbed his head or whatever. Um, and, and so this ball boy says, so, so I went over there uh, and, I, and I said hello to him, you know, was expecting it to be, you know, all hey, friendly. Right. <laughs> I, said, I said thanks for the, the buena onda, the kind of the, you know, friendly way that you took it last time, and he spat in my face. Work Which on. is not what you expect, necessarily. And then Miguel gets involved and says something like, um, don't worry about him, he's a terrible person and a, and a crap goalkeeper. Uh, which perhaps uh, I didn't like that much. And, and I wonder why. It's it strange. A, but it was a really good. Um, yeah, McGlory man looking after one of his own, shitting on the rest. That's fine. That's 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 his style. That's what he does, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, I I don't know. I think one thing that I also from reading extensively today, <laughs> just today, <laughs> and uh, I I discovered that. Ole on Sunday had the best coverage of what was happening mm. and also the best coverage of, of, of what was going to happen. Mm. He's going to be in prison 
for two weeks at least. Yeah. Maybe more. Are they not going to give him bail? No. No. It's just, it's just, uh, 15 days it's minimum. 15 day, well, um, sorry, t- 10 to 15 days at, uh, at this very plush looking uh, state prison in Essaysa. The state prison? I've got a friend in Essaysa. Not in the state <laughs> the prison. prison the state prison, yeah. Sorry. It doesn't have to do anything that. See if you can get in touch with him between now and the next episode. And on episode 99 of Phantom Pop, we'll give you the inside line on Pablo Migliore's uh, treatment. Well, I know that today he ate. No, he had his first shower. Maybe he'll start fire with him or something and I can sell the end of it. Today he had his first shower and didn't get raped. I read that today. He also had his first meal, Milanesas with mashed potatoes. All went well, apparently. Uh, he's on the same wing as the members of Callejeros, the band that were involved in Cromagnon. He's also the reason why he's on that um, the Cromagnon bar which killed 194. It's the VIP wing that all defended by the same lawyer. That's why he's on that wing. Not convenient. So, and I'm actually well, uh, this is interesting because it, the lawyer was was in the press yesterday and was was quoted as uh, complaining about the conditions he was being kept in. He said they don't even keep drug dealers in conditions like this. And then, yeah, no, look where he is. And he's also, he's, he's asked for permission to run around the grounds. He's boxing. The coverage that Ole gave it on Sunday was a really neutral and also informative perspective. I was amazed by it, how, how neutral it was. We were talking about what, how the, the, the process would continue, uh, how the, the, kind of the, the legal process would continue, the procedures, how long he could be expected to be in jail for, and what that meant. And it actually suggested that he was being, the only reason he was in jail was to, uh, to make the fugitive think that you know, the game was up um, and to convince him to, to, mm. to hand himself in. I read today, I read earlier today, and uh, the coverage is really very different. One guy, one journalist, I think he's called, he's got a very silly name like Cantado or Amado or something like that, and he, um, uh, some past participle that is just, you know, and he, he wrote. Um, I can't trust the journalist with the name of which is the past participle. He wrote two articles, one on Migliori's current condition and one on San Lorenzo's current condition. Yeah. And the other one, the first one was Migliori chose Ole in which to send a message to his fans. Mm. Uh, and, and express how um, he expected, you know, just just think about Vélez, I'll be watching you, I'll be, I'll be with you guys. And it was a eulogy. It was a really, and, you know, detailed exactly how, we, how he'd been spending his time, and it was completely as if the guy had been literally on his knees, uh, in the best possible sense. The other article was San Lorenzo, you know, saying, oh, we, we just can't believe what's happened, it's not the same without a loco, uh, we just can't wait for him to come back, and, and, and it ended off with the, with the phrase, I won the loco. So this is, I mean, I couldn't believe the, Loc- the coverage. Loco, sorry. Loco being the... Being the owner, and his name, and that one being kind of, yeah. Hang in there, yeah, we, yeah. We, we're still with you. I could not believe how amazingly um, sort of partisan it was, yeah. and how they just, you know, not didn't really talk about his, the crime, which is pretty yeah. serious, mm. and I think in any other culture or in any other society, in, in England at least, that's definitely, you know, if, if Vicky Price and Chris Hume can go to prison for... Uh, for, for, for point sharing, then um, then this is this is far worse. Well, I think the problem is, is I mean, obviously it, it's a crime and it's terrible. It's covering up a murder. But at the same time, you've got kind of the let's say the human perspective on this. Like, there's always going to be the the thought that he was looking out for a friend. He came to him in time of need. No matter what the friend did. Sure, but the friend we can say. I'm saying. I'm not saying. I believe it, but it's how it can be interpreted. Like, sure. But especially from a football, like a football point of view, like yeah, you're giving the Oguandi, you're giving the support to a friend, like, and then it's it's blown up in your face. That's all I'm. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I agree with it at all, but I think that's how it's going to be interpreted by by some by a fair amount of people. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, but you can that. read the text. I mean, if 
You can, it's there. They can see exactly what he, yeah. he said, and the guy is. Oh yeah, there doesn't seem to be much doubt about no, it. Sure, and let's get this straight. I mean, he's perhaps not quite as bad as the Brazilian goalkeeper a year or two ago was found guilty uh, of Rafael, yeah. cutting his girlfriend up into pieces, yeah, 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 and then yeah, feeding her to his rottweilers. A little bit worse. Um, or the actually, yeah. who actually had a gun in his hand and, and rubbed the hairdresser. Rubbed yeah. the hairdresser. <laughs> Brilliant. Why, head, why are you going to rub a hairdresser? But but it was still very much a, a crime that is not condoned by Hand of Pod. Um, if no. you are listening and you're thinking of going out and emulating uh, Pablo Migliori, please do it by being a half-decent goalkeeper and not by aiding and abetting murder. Not by having friends in the bar and helping them out. No. Not by having been that's born a in a rough neighbourhood. Like, yeah, so. that's a route that we would not um, advise for any of our... We can only assume that, that the Pope is going to put in a prayer for his soul on Sunday at Mass. Oh, that would uh, be... He can't be Francisco Pimeno, by the way. He can't be... No, sorry, you're right. Yeah, it's Francisco. It's Francisco. Everybody in Argentina... Well, a lot of people in Argentina are calling him Francisco. Was I talking, or this Francisco about, Primero, was I talking about this to you? Yes, I think you did. Yeah. yeah. Before we recorded it a few weeks ago, yeah. There we go. Um... Yeah, this was one, something that was bugging me. One other game on Sunday. We're going to move on now, very quickly, because okay. we've been talking for quite some time now. Nah, this is a big, <laughs> I hope, a big I hope, issue. I hope not getting bored, but uh, certainly this is going to go on for a while. Um, Atletico Rafaela, one Union nil. Can't say anything about that, because it took place at almost the same time as San Martín Godoy Cruz. Yeah. It was kicked well, off about 20 minutes Great result for Rafaela, still picking up points. It looks like they're going to have, yeah. another, have another year in Primera. Puts an end to Union's fantastic run of three matches without defeat. Ah, yeah, they did really well. Mm, potentially well potentially complicates them <laughs> they're already fucked anyway as we said even if they've won every game going into the rest in the end of the season then they're still going down so you say what for Rafaela they need 12-15 more points and you could say they're, they're safe yeah uh, uh, they could well be safe obviously without that number but certainly you know another 3 or 4 wins Four or five. Wins. In what twelve games? Yeah. So you've got to say they got more. Yes, I think I think twelve. How many have we played? Seven. Yeah, twelve, seven 12 more matches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we come to the last match of the weekend, which was Lanús versus Quilmes on Monday night. Top versus sort of bottom. Precisely, yeah. Top versus. Well, actually, well, actually like seven now. But, yeah. the positions have been updated. Top versus fifth, but Quilmes, uh, one of the sides very much down in the relegation zone, thanks to Argentina's peculiar um, points averaging system. And Kielness, I have to say, did fantastically. Well, they didn't, um, they've been playing well all season, I think. They have. They've been in really, really particularly good form in the last kind of five matches or so. They took a very early lead through Gustavo Oberman. Very well judged, long ball over from the well, long, medium length, let's say, long ball over uh, from the midfield. Taken down well and, and round the goalkeeper and finished by, by Oberman early on. Um, and then they. Really, Lanús hammered on the door for the the whole first half. After that, uh, didn't manage to get through. Fantastic performance from Tripodi, the the Quilmes goalkeeper, uh, Fernando Elisari, who's been one of the best young forwards of the torneo final to come through this season, with a brilliant. Did you say it? Have you seen it? No, no, no. Have you seen yeah. it? Superb solo. I mean. I thought, I thought all the goals in this game were a quick turn at the beginning of the run, and they didn't really go through any players after that. But yeah. they finished. Right, I thought all the goals in this game were excellent. I thought they were really. Yes. This, was a, this was an exhibition game for the Argentine football. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I mean, to the point, so that, that made it 2 0 to Kilmes. And I'm, uh, I'm coming on to, to Lanus, uh, two goals. Then Kilmes had had uh, Jacobo Mancisha sent off after half an hour. So they went 2 0 up with only 10 men against the best team in the country. I don't think anybody's going to 
argue with me and saying that Manu's no, not been so far. So he picked up um, two yellow cards in seven minutes. He did, yes. It was really That's quite impressive. impressive. Yeah. Um, and then we had a Lanus ball worked over wide left, swung over, I think it was by Regueiro and Silvio Romero just meeting him full on the half volley. Not spectacular, but a really, really nice finish. Um, and in the second, Romero picking it up on the wide, this was like four minutes later or something, Romero picks it up on the right wing, just cuts inside the fullback and then play a Riquelme-style through ball, slicing three, three or four defenders right through the middle of all of them for Guido Pizarro to run on to Pizarro was the player who was almost sold to Fiorentina at the was it the start of the final or the initial that was, I think it was a year ago yeah so the, or the even start a year of, and a half ago no no I think it was the start of this season in that case of the initial uh, Lanus were, were lucky to hold on to him his, his, he was due to go to Fiorentina and the transfer right, fell through yeah. yeah due to something or other work permit so parole conditions or very possibly maybe it got covered up who knows he is a skinhead you never know with that Um, and and Pizarro not normally known as a a goal scoring midfielder he's a kind of very much a number five a a deep line perhaps more creative than a a Mascherano style number five but a kind of deep line playmaker running through onto this through ball and just finishing with just beautiful finish I mean enough to take it around the keeper and just over the line before the Kielmas player could get into to clear um, to make it 2-2 Reguero hit the crossbar with a, a header for Lanús when it was, I think, 2-0. Um, but the really, the, the, the big controversy, in inverted commas over this, was down to a, um, a ball which... Uh, bloody hell, which Oberman, you said earlier. Oberman, thank you very much, Dan. I'm just going on what you said to me earlier, Sam. No, you're right, it was Oberman. One and a half minutes ago, let's say. Um, which Gustavo <laughs> Oberman ran onto whilst it was 2-1. So, as we say... Lanús two goals came about four minutes apart and in between them Oberman runs onto this this chipped ball over the top um, and Lanús defender I think it was Paolo Goltz but I'm, I'm not entirely sure um, nicked the ball away from him and took it sort of ten yards away and Oberman is continuing to run and afterwards pretty much ran straight into Marquesine the Lanús goalkeeper inside the box obviously Oberman hit the ground I think it probably hurt both of them quite a bit because from the the TV replays they appeared to clash hips which is you know bone on bone contact is never enjoyable is it um, and of course it, it causes uh, I don't know why you're giggling that no, no, no. it's a clashing of hips it's, uh, exactly yeah, it's, it's funny image it's a perfectly yeah. perfectly normal uh, injury to have and of course this, this causes Marcusine to kind of spin around as you do when you hit on one side I suppose um, but a lot of a lot of Kilmes fans well basically every, every Kilmes fan every Kilmes player and an awful lot of neutrals thought it should have been a red card for Marcusine and a penalty to Kilmes so I have to say I disagreed on both counts really um, for one thing because Overman ran into Marcusine it wasn't like <laughs> Marcusine was challenging and took him out himself um, and for another because the ball had gone it had already been taken by a defender without touching either of the, the two players involved there was no goal scoring opportunity so it can't be a, a red card for the goalkeeper even if you do think it's a penalty um, but that's the big kind of yeah. controversy other than Migliore's arrest uh, but it's been blown up almost as much yeah. well, not yeah. quite as important in some ways no actually I, I disagree I think that Migliore's arrest is is, uh, is a side issue I think the football is much more important no? definitely because yeah. I think the Migliore thing is like it's, it's, I think it's, it's obviously someone's trying to make a uh, have a go at, at someone famous that's, I think yeah, that's yeah. what I think it's a pot shot of someone famous um, and he's also guilty so <laughs> talking of famous people in San Lorenzo by the way I, I can't uh, forget this 
I, I follow or I like the Olay page on Facebook. Um, and uh, yes, thumbs up, which else you've just given. And on Monday, was it, it was Monday, wasn't it? San Lorenzo turned 105 years old. We've had a couple of, of recent anniversaries, which we've mentioned All Boys Centenary and Racing's uh, 110th. Yeah. I think it's March. Boca 108 today. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. My word, there we go. San Lorenzo and Boca have kept much quieter about this than All Boys and Racing did. Because they thought they were going to lose. Because <laughs> they're playing true. at home. True, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, very yeah. true. Um, but on, on the 105th uh, birthday of San Lorenzo, Ole put up a post because San Lorenzo happened to share their birthday with the man behind the throne at San Lorenzo at the moment. Uh, we've mentioned this before, but Marcelo Tinelli, the media mogul in Argentina, who none of you outside Argentina will ever have heard of unless you're you should be regular you really should. listeners. Uh, Don't look him up. You'll regret it. He's, he's turned uh, 53. He's born in 1963. 53. 1st of April, 1960. Yeah. No, you should have seen him 10 years ago. He looked very different. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I've got no doubt whatsoever. He was 53 yesterday. Um, and Ole decided to mark this by putting up a picture of him and saying, Feliz cumple cuervo. Happy birthday, Crow, which Crow. is San Lorenzo's <laughs> nickname and, and the nickname of San Lorenzo's fans. And they said... San Lorenzo turned 105 years old today, as does their most famous fan. Or, or sorry, not 105, but they said their, their most famous fan also has his birthday today. And I just sort of looked at it and thought, I think you're forgetting about somebody. Yeah, right. Well, exactly. trying to say that Tinelli is more famous than both Viggo Mortensen and the Pope. <laughs> well, I don't know, I mean, uh, more relevant maybe? I mean, in, well, in more relevant in, in everyday Argentine's lives. Modern I think, Argentine yeah. society is just yeah. possible. But I, I found it just too hilarious not to share with everybody so there you go um, the results from this weekend we're going to nip through these very quickly and then we shall get off and answer some questions Lanús uh, top of the league but only by a point now Newell's winning combined with Lanús only drawing uh, means that Lanús still unbeaten only considers three goals in seven matches uh, 17 points Newell's on 16 Godoy Cruz 14 River 13 Kilmes and Arsenal on 12 um, so that's the kind of front runners we should also because Racing right out there mentioned that Racing is seventh on eleven points so they're not by any means completely out of it only six behind Lanús. Are you going to say com- not completely out of it? We've played seven games and they're six points behind. Yeah, sure, but that is the third of the <laughs> championship. Remember? Um, yeah, it's true. And yeah. the rally. Still, I think it's a little bit early to say you know not completely out of it, completely out of it. And you've you've played Lanús already, haven't you? Yeah, true. There you go. One of the only teams. There we go again. You're not going to have a, you're kidding you're not gonna have a chance to sort of catch up with them by beating them, as it were. Still, twelve games. Like I'm not saying that. Uh, no, I'm not well, saying that Racing are going to win the league, but you know, twelve. I think twelve games to go, six points. I think it's a little bit early to, to start <laughs> casting such uh, predictions. Is the one game home and away? It's at home. We've got River at home next week. Actually, we haven't talked about this much. This coming weekend, which we'll, we'll discuss in yeah. a second. Yeah. And then Boca's at home as well. Mm. Then we go. In between, we go to San Lorenzo. Well, some quite exciting games coming up. Definitely. Three classicals in a row for the Racing. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the business end of the relegation table, obviously we're not going to mention the top of it, apart from the fact that we've already mentioned that it's the top, because there's no point. Um, but Union bottom on 1.016 points. This doesn't mean anything to anyone, so I'm not going to read out the points for everybody. San Martin, second bottom. Independiente is still in the relegation zone, thanks to that Quilmes point against Lanús. Had Lanús beaten Kilmes, Independiente would have been out of the relegation. Is that right? right? It would have dropped start. It yeah. would have dropped point zero seven. This is what everybody's saying. Um, oh. This is what everybody was saying before the game. What Kilmes have lost that game. Is the vibe? Do people want Independiente to go down? Yes, we do. Apart from Racing fans, do people yes, want Independiente to go down? Sam, um, as a River fan, I do. Yeah. 
because as a River fan, I really wanted the Benienta and, and Boca to both get relegated before they hit River's record of. You know, I don't know whether you're aware, Archie, but River have yeah. have the record for yeah, the longest sure. spell in the Premier. I think Boca's is Boca have got to last until something like ridiculous, like 2025 or something, because they only came up to the Primera um, relatively later on. They were playing in the amateur divisions until then. Um, but I, I think, in many ways, neutrals are going to because it's Grandona's Julio Grandona's team, the, the team that he supported for his whole life and just so many people feel that they're being given a hell of a lot of help um, isn't, isn't their president or their chairman whatever you want to call it isn't uh, Cantero isn't he the, the most decent person in Argentine football yeah but he's got he's no use support from the fans now like that's gone they hate him now but doesn't, I mean, yeah. the normal fans yeah, yeah. Sure, sure because the, right? the team's not going because the team's not going well but surely I, I thought that a lot of independent fans recognise that Cantero is better for the club than the Barra do you not think if they went down it would be a real statement that no I, th- I think a lot of the better the better led system isn't working they've got to really think it through the independent fans who I I'm, talk I'm to saying that if they go down it's for their own good like, mm. this is no I agree and, and the, in, the independent fans that I talk to and this, it's only a few of them but the ones that I talk to uh, essentially agree with you uh, as in th- they agree that independent going down would be better than staying up but Cantero being out and, and as a result what I'm saying is they support Cantero yeah. um, I support Cantero but I'd like to see independent yeah. go down um, so uh, I'm not sure how to answer ask right. the question again actually <laughs> we've all had a few footnotes so I think that uh, independence going down would be would be tragic uh, for, for two reasons one you'd lose um, you'd probably lose well three reasons Gajego uh, Cantero Cantero and um, also it's one of the big I mean River and Boca can go down and Racing can go down to be honest but independence Sorry, I mean, I'm going to listen to you because I think I know where you're going. But I think Independiente uh, need to be there. They need to be the perennial whipping boys. They need to be the big team that, get, that loses. That's San Lorenzo. No, it's no, no, San Lorenzo. That's, 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 that's yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think Racing and Independiente and Racing at the moment I think are too good. I mean, they're, they're really they're, they're, the football they play is too attractive and too interesting to go down. Whereas I think Independiente also need to, we need to keep them up there. They need, they need to the, uh, to remain in the Premier Division, that league, whatever. I'm sure many Independiente fans would agree with you and say that they, they hope Independiente stay up to be beaten roundly by everybody next season as well. I think the um, problem is for me, you think if, uh, well, when River went down, you had such a great reaction from the people, like, for yeah. the stadium, they're still filling the stadium. If Boca went down, I'm sure the same would happen, they'd keep bringing people. Yeah, more or less, not as much as River. And I think, I'm looking back yeah. to the, the Libertadores game they had earlier this year where the yeah. stadium was half empty. And let's say if, uh, if Racing went down again, you'd have exactly the same thing. People would follow them home away. But I think if, if Independiente the go down, it would be just a Too shock bad. to the club. Not just yeah. footballing, but more institutional. Like, I don't think they'd, they'd, keep, they'd have the same momentum as River did or, or Racing did or would have again or if that Boca would have. Like, it would really... Almost kind of fold the club, like it'd be yeah. more like all I can say. So someone, you'd lose your that rivalry, that 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 super classico. You'd lose that super classico, and that'd be uh, classico. Sorry, we have to. Sorry. One one of the most annoying things is over like, the last few years on television has, has been the football paradoxos commentators referring to the classico de Avellaneda as the super classico de Avellaneda. And I know it is a super. I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, Dan, but certainly I know that Seba, um, the other Handapod Racing fan um, himself, actually gets very annoyed by it. It's, <laughs> So I'll go. Carry on talking. Fair enough. The the uh, Avellaneda uh, derby. Uh, 
I think you'd lose that, and that is, I mean, having been a Newcastle fan, seeing them go down, having been a River fan, seeing them go down, it's it's just something becomes at least you have at least a year, and I mean potentially longer of it's quite boring. Ah, oh, we've got three other classicos like. But that's the that's the that's the real one. That's the real. It's a good it's a good one. Yeah, Arsenal and Lanús. If we listen to the journalists who say anything from the zone, I saw it as a classic. I'm sure the Copa Argentina can get rigged a little yeah. bit to, to bring yeah, the yeah. two together. Well, you know, go back to my theory here about it, no coincidence that the Copa Argentina came in with a draw that kept River and Boca apart until the final in just the season that River happened to yeah. go down. So that wasn't the competitive Super Classico in the league. Um, I, anyway, can live with it. I can live with it if they went down, definitely. Uh, to resume and, and get back to the, the standings, we have. Also, oh, sorry, also, they're playing much better than most of the teams that are the, in the bottom of the. They are, they're so. playing better, but they're not necessarily getting much better results. No, no, definitely not. They are playing much better than, the, yeah. than, than a lot of these teams. Um, Union San Martin, Independiente in the bottom three. Don't forget, no. As Dan needs to focal. No relegation playoffs uh, this season. Um, just those three go straight down. Quilmes, who are in the best form of anybody, I think, in the bottom, certainly five or six at this table. Um, just above them, Rafaela, just above them, San Lorenzo, and then Argentinos, all boys. We're getting into the teams with three seasons on the table, and they're not necessarily in so much danger. Um, but those are the standings, and we're now going to go away for a minute. We're going to wait for Dan to get off the phone, and we will come back and answer a few of your lovely listeners' questions. So please don't go away. Archie and I, whilst Dan's been on the phone, have just been discussing uh, the fact that, that we do audibly on hand upon recording seem to be getting slightly more drunk each uh, as we go on through the evening. And um, this is because we really do drink for that whilst recording. I mention this because our first question this week is from Dale Seymour, long, very long time listener. Um, she's been to Buenos Aires a couple of times. I've met up with her on both occasions. She was kind enough to buy me dinner last time. Um, she's been listening since episode one. I believe and she asks she's finally got around to listening to last week's episode how does one contribute to the Hand of Pod for Net Fund thank you for asking again Dale <laughs> because it gives us an excuse to remind everybody else um, you can PayPal however much money you want to PayPal to uh, sam at astelgolsiempre.com uh, in Dale's case that's the email address you've already got for me I think to be honest we should do this plea for money at the start of the podcast because I reckon a lot of people turn off by now I think, <laughs> I think by this time of this week's podcast they will have done because we've been going on for about two hours now I think. so should we start I think that could be your intro yeah, every week Possibly, this yes. is Hannah Pod send money to us yeah. try and get Ellie Sunday or, or whoever next time yeah. <laughs> yeah. send money to her carajo. that might not be a bad idea I did after last week's recording as I told you and Joel down off, off record, I, I went to um, a, a, a di- dinner, wine and, and tapas party at the Faena Hotel in Puerto Rico. As you do, as you do. One yeah. of the poshest hotels in Buenos Aires. And whilst there in the bar, I uh, didn't exactly meet, but Alfio Basile was there as well. Ah, Not Junior, the Alfio Basile. Uh, and I was I was very tempted to go. To, so if I manage to get an introduction from Alfio Basile at any point, if I go back there and see him again... I'll, I'll ask him to, to mention Furness in it. Um, we could also get a retweet from uh, Alfie Obasilio Jr., surely. Yes, we could certainly try. 
Billy Morrison asks, who do you guys think will win the Copa Libertadores? I think Emelec. Oh, wow. I, Billy, I'll be honest, I don't think Emelec will going to win. Uh, who do we think from what we've seen so far? I think Vélez. Vélez. Uh, really? Yeah. Big shout. Yeah. yeah wouldn't, wouldn't it entirely surprise me? We reached the semis last season and deserved it. I, I think, think it's going to be. I, I, I still think it's going to be somebody Brazilian. It's so difficult to look. Brazilian. I the think one to watch is um, Atlético Mineiro. I mm. think Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho, I should say, he's still got the magic and he's really turning it on in in the Copa. So I think that you know they're not a massive Brazilian team on the on the level, of, say Palmeiras or Sao Paulo, Corinthians, Flamengo. But I think I think this could be the. It won't surprise me at all. It would be historic if that turned out to be the case. Um, Tell me why, Sam. Well, they've won one Brazilian national championship. Yeah. They never won a Libertadores, okay. uh, so I, I'm, I'm not saying. Historically, in fact, it'll be their first. I'm not, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not okay. saying that I doubt it, but I'm, yeah. you know, they, they'd have won as many coppers as they have their own league. Mm-hmm. If that happened, I'm not saying that I, I doubt your prediction. I'm just saying Basically. that it would be a momentous. Um, no, I, just, I was just wondering why it would be historic. Um, Mike O'Neill asks, "What's the latest on San Lorenzo's ongoing struggle with Carrefour?" Oh, we heard anything recently? Well, I think since we covered mm-hmm. it with Mariano, was it? Yes, a couple of weeks back, there's not really been any advances. Like, it's still in sort of the same stage. But and now the post is different, Archie. I don't, I don't think it's a priority for either California or San Lorenzo, just for their fans. Okay. Yeah, no, I've got. I, I really don't think that, that, that either. So the fans are a massive thing. The fans are a massive thing. I think the, the San Lorenzo are more focused on the Pope and Migliore and Tinelli. <laughs> go, back, go back to the three things that. that still nothing to do with football, but yeah. Um. Billy asks, North Korea Sorry. v. USA is going to be a good nuclear war. Uh, that's a controversial statement. He asks whether I'm going. I'm not going to be going. Um, no. I said that Dan got some money, might be, because Asia's more his zone. I am intrigued by the, by the phrase, good nuclear war, Billy. So if you want to expand on that and lose all of your Twitter followers, please feel free. I um, did actually, so just remember something about the, the California. I think that um, advances have been made, but not in a good way. I think that they're less they're less close to uh, to getting their, uh, really? their ground back. Okay. Um, I thought you were going to say about nuclear war. They're less close to having a nuclear war. Nuclear war, I know nothing about, and I only just realised something was going on until I turned on Twitter today. So I you know, get my news from Twitter. Okay. Now speeding up our time, we've only had one other question. Yeah, um, it's been a poor week. Come on, guys. We've got to take another. Listeners, please. As well. we, we we do encourage yeah. you every week. Let's please. remember the clocks have gone forward in. That's very true. Yeah, and, and so we got to put out the shout. I think a bit due, earlier. Due, due to my wedding party this afternoon, I was unfortunately unable to get onto Twitter earlier. Um, but next week, please try harder. Um, oh, hang on, no, we did have one from last week as well, which arrived too late. So I'll, I'll try and scan down and find that in a second. But Chris Hartley asks, "Do you think Riquelme at his peak would have been a perfect partner for Messi in the national team?" Well, we saw. Um Glimpses of what they could do in 2006, the World Cup, and uh, 2007, Copa America. Copa America was great. 2008, Olympics as well. And I think we all loved it. Oh, it was a fantastic, you know, a fantastic partnership. There's no other way to say it. 2007 was excellent. It was yeah. really, really good. And I think we saw, I don't know, I'm going to really go out on a limb here, but I think we saw glimpses of that. Glimpses, I'm going to say, uh, when Messi was teamed with Montisha in that game against Venezuela of what that partnership could have been kind of a very kind of cerebral very composed you know calm uh, number 10 with Messi who is Messi Montijo struck me as a bit more of a runner than Riquelme though <laughs> maybe but it's, it's a mean, similar kind of, like there's no one kind of, yeah there's no one kind of like Riquelme is just the same as no one like Messi but 
I think that was kind of a glimpse of what that partnership could have could have brought in if like Rikemi hadn't decided to fight with the whole world. Also, Rikemi is so dependent on his moods that the whole. This is the thing. This is. I mean, you know, it's been his most valuable asset and also his worst liability. You know. But he can wake up the best player in the world he can wake up not giving a shit about football but Copa America was amazing to the final yeah. every single game apart from the final he was great and then he just yeah. didn't win it and that was it mm. yeah so That's I think yeah we can take those those two moments like 2007 Copa America and 2008 Olympics and that's kind of we're not going to see anything else about uh, Messi and Riquelme that story's finished I think we can all say although yeah. we saw that, that I think it's fair moments. to say that Riquelme at his peak with, if Riquelme was 27, 28 years old and playing for Argentina right now with with Messi in the form that he's currently yeah. in and, and as well as we said Higuain yeah. and Aguero yeah this is why as well like, about an yeah. even stronger team than yeah. they've yeah. already got and this is why as well I really like um, Lamella to come on and and mm-hmm. become like that foil to uh, to Messi on the left because I've do you not like Di Maria on the left for Argentina? I didn't like Di Maria for a long time, and I've grown to kind nice. of, and I've grown to like him. I've grown to like what he gives to the um, the Argentine team. He gives them a lot more mobility, a lot more kind of directness, power on the counter. But I always like Argentina, like when they're putting fifty passes together on the way to goal, and we've done that. And I think uh, Lamela, when he hits his peak, if you put him on that kind of advanced midfielder stage in the midfield three with Messi there, just doing everything, like I think that really could be a partnership. That could give us something similar to, um, to Messi and, and Rickham. Rick Interesting Elm. thoughts. The the question that we had last week, uh, sorry, not last week, but I had a, I had it to my own Twitter a couple of days ago. Uh, Luis Bessone, who always asks the question and has forgotten yeah. to tweet it to Hand Pop this week, but he did tweet it to me, so I shall ask it. Is uh, allegedly classy Quilmes fans always uh, sorry seem involved in lots of trouble this week? Which fan base is most involved in Quilombo? Uh, Quilombo being the Argentine kind of lunfardo uh, local porteño slang word for mess clusterfuck yeah. Yeah. trouble um, and we had a Porto. bit of it this weekend as well as Quilmes there was also trouble at oh god one of the other games that was shooting are you saying Argentinos All Boys there was a little bit of trouble yes sorry you're right Argentinos All Boys after the, after the game there was a, a bit of a scrap between All Boys fans ah that's normal for a classic S- slightly more a uh, bit of a scrap kind of interbarra scrap in, right. in the All Boys end I mean um, slightly more than a little bit of a scrap at Lanús Kilmes last night though uh, yeah. prior to the game it all kicked off with the police um, around 100 is what was reported Kilmes fans ended up uh, detained two or three police with minor injuries and three patrol cars which got the shit smashed out of them so now this is I think we were talking about this last week about what criteria you need for a game to become a Clásico this is a Clásico now well, well, we're not saying it needs a yeah, couple yeah. of arrests and a couple of maimings to become a Clásico. Potentially so. Although in Argentina yeah. that would make almost every match a Clásico. Um, yeah. It's an interesting question. The the banda that makes Musta Quilombo. Chacarita and Chicago. You're looking at both of those two. Yeah, but they're kind of... Yeah, I think clubs down down in the second division, I don't know if we can count them too much. In the Primera? In the Primera. Um, Union have had a fair few problems like Newell's is yeah. always pretty pretty spicy Booker and River like, are we going to get them with all the problems I've had into like, in, like, in, in Travara we should say mm. 
Why are we talking about earlier today? That's the podcast. Precisely. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those are the ones. I, River and Bucky, in terms of obviously the, the kind of scale of the actions of the batter, those two are beyond anything else purely because of the size of the club as much as anything. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. There are various. Let's say. Yeah. Any of the Santa Fe clubs certainly have big problems. Colon as well, who we didn't mention before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now going to play some music and we're going to. I'm, go- I'm going to read out Mystic Sam's predictions. Not my own predictions, but Mystic Sam's. This weekend's matches, we have, I don't know how many Classicos actually, I've just looked through them and I did not mention. So here we go. All boys uh, to beat Independiente in Floresta, bounce back from defeat last weekend. Tigre and Rafaela to draw. Union and Argentinos to draw. Both of those sides are getting better, but not by very much. Um, Veles versus San Lorenzo to draw. That's a bit of a Classico now, huh? It is. Well, yeah, it's it's sorry, right? yeah, because of the violence, essentially. Yeah, most anything, the, the kind of picante, the atmosphere between them. Um, Godoy Cruz versus Belgrano, I think that's going to be a home win for the Malbec growers. Quilmes versus San Martin has got to be a Quilmes win. Big relegation clash, though, this weekend. Racing versus River, I think, is going to be a draw, which will mean that River continue their winless streak against the um, the other, the rest of the big five. Oh, Beaton Street. Pardon? On Beaton Street as well? No, winless. Just winless. Yeah. yeah lost against Racing. Lost against Racing in the Monumental. In, oh, uh, sorry. In yeah, the big five. Yeah. How um, many games that they haven't beaten in the top five? Uh, the five? They've not played Independiente or Boca yet, so that would make it San Lorenzo, Independiente, Boca, uh, Racing. Four games last week, uh, two games this championship, so six. Six, I think. Um, that's, that's, that's the streak. Newell's Old Boys versus Colón. Two Santa Fe sides, very, very different form. The only way I can see that going is a home win. Uh, Boca Juniors versus Lanús, I'm predicting a bombonerazo, a Lanús win. And Arsenal de Saralí versus Estudiantes de la Plata, I'm predicting a draw. And that's a lot. Do you want to talk about Racing against uh, River a bit? Well, okay, I was about to ask, as I, as I generally do, which, which fixtures really stand out for you guys. Well, I was expecting that, you to like, say that, Dan. It, well, for both of us, It's a big time classic of the weekend. It's a massive game for both of us, though. It is, yeah. Um, no, it's, I must say. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I didn't see either the, either the teams play um, at the weekend, so I don't know if I'm the most qualified to speak, but... I don't think there'd don't be know. much to, to see, really. I mean, Racing no. were... A little bit wasteful, but not enormously better than Estudiantes. River, as I said earlier, yeah. were fairly poor, but yeah. at the same time, we got the impression they were reacting slightly to what they were expecting Vélez to do. I think the thing is about um, Racing at the moment is I like the direction they're going. Mm. I think they're on the up rather than River, who seem to kind of go up and then down and sort of kind of straddling like that. I, I not R- River without a really clear idea of where to go. River have hit a bit of a plateau. Yeah, that's, that was the platinum. That was the word I was looking for. And as, as I was saying before the recording, not helped at all by the fact that they've had seemingly a key member of their defence injured in every match so far. Yeah. So they're currently playing, uh, and not in fact before the recording. I was saying this yeah. to, to another of the guests at the wedding I was at earlier today. Um, they're currently playing with like their f- almost fifth and sixth choice centre backs. Yes. 
because the first, second, third and fourth choice centre-backs are all injured. So what you're saying is they're not going to be able to live with the terrible trio of De Paul, Vieto and Farina. You said that, not me. <laughs> um, I'm asking your opinion. But, but I'm saying it, what I'm saying is it doesn't help with building, um, building a kind of cohesive unit as a team when you're having to mess about with the defence. I mean, almost, nice. almost literally on a round-by-round round basis because really? one of them seems to get injured every week. Gabriel Mercado went down uh, recently uh, against Vélez with an adductor strain or something. At half, he had to be subbed at half-time. Apparently, ex, ex racing guy, we should say. Yes. Ex racing yeah, youth player. Um, he's apparently going to be okay to play at the weekend, in which case I hope that the law of the ex uh, manifests. I'd like to say that he's not going to play. I think he's going to, like, if he's on the edge, he's mm. going to bottle it and he's not going to want to come play now, should We'll see. Um, just, a, just a feeling of it. Right? Yeah, sure. Just, it might be completely wrong, but let's see. The way it's reported at the moment is that he's going to be fit, but even so, even that, just that little bit of uncertainty, it doesn't help them to to prepare. Um, no, completely. Ezequiel Sirigliano is closer to coming back, and certainly if he can come back to, to fitness, join Poncio yes. in the midfield, and allow River to have some kind of base to build on, it would be fantastic. But the, the way that they're picking up injuries, and particularly in defence, the whole time. Yeah. It's just bizarre. They were doing the same thing during the initial. They seem to have six or seven injuries almost strange, every weekend. Yeah, you look at Racing and they've basically gone a year. I mean, you had Centurion, but that's almost the only long-term injury. Yeah. But then again, it's a much smaller squad. But then again, it's a much smaller squad. But then you, so. you start to ask about whether the preparador physico, the, 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 the fitness trainer, has something to do with this. Or, There's uh, a lot of questions you can ask here. Precisely, yeah. Um, Archie, any fixtures that stand up for you? Yeah, I was going to say the Venice one, but actually the Boca uh, Lanus sounds like a cracker. Uh, it does, doesn't it? I think Lanus could put a lot of goals past Boca if they carry on defending as they have been defending. Do you think they'll, they'll bottle it slightly? Yeah, I reckon. I think they could bottle it. I think that could be a, a Boca turnaround. <laughs> Sorry, according to the Ole, minute by minute, Barcelona had Barcelona of Ecuador had a terrible penal. A, a, Enormous penalty not given to them uh, in the, in the 80, around the 85th minute. Um, well, given the number of penalties that have been given from both sides of La Bombonera so far this year, right? Mm. Like, yeah, but they haven't given Boca the penalty yet, so it's not surprising. Um, but that, that's going into five minutes of stoppage time as we talk, so we'll see what happens. That's one really Sorry, Archie. No, that's it. That's just, I think, um, Boca could, uh, could start. Bianchi starts turning on the magic. Mm. Especially if. I mean, is Rikemi still on? Is there no idea? Uh, let's see. Let's, oh, if you scroll down. So you're asking a different question now. Yes. Rikemi is still on and all three subs have been made. Well, so he won't play. He's definitely he not playing play on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to play for another two weeks in that case. So if they can just sort out that extremely clueless defence, they might have a chance of, uh, of reversing. It's quite a big if, though. Yeah. Quite big. And if Particularly also, when you've got Mario Regueiro and Silvio Romero delivering your set pieces for the opposing side. Yeah, I don't. So if there's one. And, and Osvaldo Luis Garrondo getting on the end of the It's amazing yeah. that they're not. I can't think past uh, Lenus Winfrey. No. Amazing that Boca can't, um, can't uh, take anything from the home support. Hmm. It's something that they've done before, taking that sort of uh, um, yeah. encouragement from the home support. It just seems yeah. like they can't do it. Though. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that it'll be a good game, but probably, yeah, Lenus win. And if you're right, then I'm certainly looking forward to it even more. And indeed, if I'm right, because I predict it's a win as well. Uh, that's your lot for this week's Hand of Pod. Uh, we'd like to say a massive thank you to Archie for turning up at all, really, but particularly at such short notice. And it's been a pleasure to meet you. Uh, yeah. 
Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Archie. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to English Dan. Thank you. And a thank you from me. And we shall be back next week with uh, uh, possibly two guests. They've both said they're going to turn up anyway. Uh, for episode 99, we're on the verge of a quite big anniversary. Um, so please join us again then. And we hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, goodbye. Anniversary, milestone. Milestone. It's yeah, probably the milestone. better word, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll stick this bit on the end after the theme <laughs> tune, and it'll sound good.